Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining me from New York City is Tim Bonteps. Howdy, fellas. Where you attended the uh, owners' meetings um, yesterday, uh, which we will certainly be talking about. Uh, Correct. Shortly here. Incorrect. And back in Dallas, he got back into the country. Bonteps. Amazing. Readmitted to the United States. It's Ban McMahon. Howdy, partners. And I do take offense to Bon Temps uttering the word howdy while sitting oh. in a New York City apartment. I'm still a farm kid, pal. <laughs> mm. <clears throat> That's right. Little known that uh, Bon Temps grew up for some years on a dairy farm. Some years. <laughs> some years uh, well, are I, all it, the years. Well, yeah. Well, not like when you were like 17. Were you? Uh, yeah. What do you mean? Really? What do you mean? Yeah. Yes. I thought I thought you moved out of there earlier than that. No, he's not like me. Didn't get shipped post off to boarding post school. Co- yeah, I didn't go to boarding school like McMahon. I was on the farm until post college. So there wow. you go. Okay, I didn't know all that. Well, I wish you'd go back. He knows how to milk a cow, uh, McMahon. Uh, I have so done that. It's it. not not fun. <laughs> um. All right. Well, not speaking of not fun, Adam. Silver's I'm utterly impressed on Wednesday. Jesus. <laughs> I wish you could have all seen his face that he just made that when he terrible. delivered that joke. <laughs> um, Ugh, speaking of bad. not being utterly impressed, how about that? You see that? There you uh, go. Nice, Adam nice multiple Silver. transition. <laughs> Adam Silver uh, on Wednesday at the owner's meeting. Um, there's been a, mm. Uh, mm. an effort in the last few years to stop calling NBA owners owners. And I understand why, because of the connotation that comes with it. And the, the, the Adam Silver would much prefer, and not only him, but others would much prefer mm-hmm. to call them governors. And I get it, but I, they're still owners. And if you needed to be reminded of that, it was the way Adam Silver described yeah. the different uh, standards f- with, with what they're, um, with what, uh, the way they are uh, compared to other employees in the NBA. So that was one of the big takeaways. Um, but Bontemps, you have covered many Adam Silver press conferences over the last decade. Um, this was a challenging one before he said a word. I'm not sure he handled it well, and I'm not sure what the fallout's going to be. He was he was holding a very difficult hand. He had to explain that he had to discipline his boss because that's what mm-hmm. Robert Sarver is. Adam Silver, when he suspends a player or disciplines a general manager or a coach, those are technically his subordinates. Maybe not directly, but he has oversight over them. He is an employee of the owners. The owners are the shareholders in the league. When when situations like this come up, they have to police themselves and show me an organization across the world that polices itself the way it polices those below them. And so that was the reality that Adam Silver had to come out and discuss. I don't uh, deny that. But Bontemps, he did not handle it well, and we now have fallout, and I can't predict what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I would say that yesterday uh, was probably the worst day, at least that I can think of, of Adam Silver's tenure. And I would say that for people that over the past you know, eight or 10 years have looked at Adam Silver and, you know, thought of him in a different light than, say, Roger Goodell, the owner of the NFL or the owner, the commissioner of the NFL. I think 
you saw yesterday, those two guys have the same job mm-hmm. and, you know, Adam's standing there. And when Howard Beck from sports illustrated asked him, you know, you look at these things that Robert Sarver has been, uh, credibly charged with doing after this very thorough nine month investigation, anybody who worked for a team or anybody who worked for the league who did these things would be fired. What does that say about where the league is at? And Adam said, well, to be, you know, let's start with the fact that there's a different set of factors in play for owners than there are for players and are, there are for team employees, not for players. And later on, Mike Bass gave a statement, the uh, NBA's PR guy, um, saying in no way did Adam uh, try to say anything other than the fact that everybody is held to the same standard. But just to clarify that, I'm going to literally read Mm -hmm. what it was that he said, just so there's no confusion here, because the league can try to dress this up in any way that they want. But if the answer to a question of saying, what does it mean that this guy would not be thrown out? Adam Silver literally said, I want to say you alluded to it, Howard. There are particular rights here of someone who owns a team as opposed to someone who is an employee. And at the end of the day, the right is that they cannot be fired by Adam Silver because, as you said, Adam Silver is working for them. And I think that entire press conference and everything Adam said, it all reflected that same core tenant, which is that he might not have been handed handled. He might he might not have been handed a great hand to play with here in terms of trying to make this look good. It was probably going to be a loss for him PR wise, no matter what he said yesterday, based off how this played out. But it was made pretty clear to me sitting there that this was Adam Silver taking one for the team, more or less. And I thought the most telling thing beyond that answer to Howard's question was when I asked him, I read the one statement in the in the report that caused a lot of attention, which was this investigation has concluded that uh, the statements made by Robert Sarver were not made with any racial or gender animus behind them. We'll get into the discussion about that, I think, in a bit, because that's pretty hard to justify. I think they said that at least three times in in, in certain ways. Yeah. But I if you say those things to me, I I would say that there's animus behind them personally. That's my personal opinion. However, when I read that to Adam and I said, Adam, do you personally believe that to be the case? He had a very long pause. And then when he answered the question, he said, because I just want to make sure I get this right. Uh. He said, uh, sorry, just trying to find it here. Stupid document is messed up. I accept their work. And then went Mm. on to give a long meandering answer that didn't say, I believe that to be the case. Yeah, I mean, it was the the whole press conference was one long, awkward cop out. And, And the simple fact of the matter is this. If 24 of the other 29 owners agreed that Robert Sarver needs to get run out of the league, he would be getting run out of the league, okay? They didn't have 24 owners who agreed with that. Draw your own conclusions about that. But like you said, the owners are the bosses. They're the bosses of Adam Silver. Now, you hear a lot. This is a player's league. We might might be about to find out just how much that's true. When you have LeBron James come out and – you know, tweet, make a public statement as strong as he did 
this league got this wrong. Here's why I feel that way. Followed by the face or one of the faces of the Suns, Chris Paul, former you know Players Association president. And I was that's why I was curious because the Suns' approach last year was, hey, the league will deal with that. We're going to hoop. We're going to take care of our business on the floor. This whole issue is, 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 a, is a league problem. Well, Chris Paul came out strongly and said, this ain't enough. This isn't right. They got this wrong. So we're going to find out just how much pressure the LeBrons, the Chris Pauls, you know, the prominent players in the league are willing to put on Adam Silver, on, you know, the the owners in this league. Uh, there's a year for this to play out. You know, the, basically, there's one year where Robert Sarver's suspended, where his right-hand man's going to be running the uh, Suns. I'm sure he'll have no involvement. I mean, we all understand it's a bunch of bull. Um, but we'll see. You know, we'll see if Adam Silver, who has a history of caving to pressure from players, um, you know, how he handles what's in a really tough spot now because the bosses are the owners, but he does have a history of of giving in to pressure from players. Yeah, it's unfair to the players that they have to do it, quite frankly. Right. It's unfair. Um, I, I So I was in Phoenix. You guys may remember if you listened to this pod for a while when the Baxter Holmes story came out. And by the way... Um, the 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 report verified a huge majority of yes. what Baxter Holmes reported, and I just remember. Um, and look, you, you know, just like Adam Silver, his boss is Robert Sarver, give or take. You know, one of his mm-hmm. bosses, um, the team president and CEO Jason Rowley. I remember the statement he made the day the story came out, in which he said, um, "The reporter in this instant has shown a reckless disregard for the truth." He has harassed there employees. There was a reckless disregard for the truth, all right, but it wasn't by Baxter Holmes. Right. He, is, he has harassed employees and family members, used truths, half-truths, and rumors to manufacture a story with which he's heavily invested and perpetuate a completely false narrative within the sports industry. So just because someone of authority says something's not true isn't necessarily the truth. We know that, okay? Um, so... But it's unfair for the players to now have to to apply the Mm -hmm. pressure. So when I was in Phoenix, there was probably almost no – at that time, it was in November of 2021. Monty Williams had as much capital as any professional um, team member in all of Arizona at that time. And he said, we're going to wait for the investigation. And Chris Paul and Devin Booker said the same thing. And I remember sitting in that press conference and going, okay, reached out to my phone and booked my flight home the next day because I knew they're just, you know, they're just going to punt. Um, And, you know, and I was disappointed at the time that, of course, I didn't, I mean, I didn't expect them to say, okay, this story is 100% true. I didn't expect them to side with ESPN. I I expected them to, you know, to let, you know, to let the situation play out, but they gave, they didn't even give any sort of statement that um, appealed to their coworkers with the sons that if this right. had happened, I feel terrible. They just totally punted. Okay. Well now the investigation comes out and now they're going to be expected to do something. And so my question is media day is in 12 days, days, 11 days. Okay. Um, what's the mood going to be then? 
and what's going to be expected of them then? And what are they really willing to do? Um, because like what I remember what in the Donald Sterling situation, you know, there was a feeling like, oh, this, the Clippers might um, do something here, but the Clippers were like, screw him. We're not letting him derail what we've worked for. And I got that. And so um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I, I do know that the only way that anything does happen is through pressure. It's mm-hmm. the, the owners are not going to do the quote unquote right thing, but something else that you asked in bond temps, uh, Adam silver, that was, you asked him whether or not he asked Robert Sarver or discuss with Robert Sarver voluntarily selling the team. So twice there was in no the last pause day- in his answer. There was no pause in his answer to that question. That was an instantaneous. No. Okay. So let's get that on the record that I don't, I can't believe that he didn't. Um, but okay. Let's take him for what he said on the record. No, he didn't twice in the last decade. We have seen teams be sold by owners following this type of situation. One was Donald Sterling and it's some nuance here. Adam Silver banned Donald Sterling for life, but they didn't force him to sell the team. There was no action by the owners to sell the team. What happened was his wife, Shelly, went to court, got him declared uh, mentally unable to run the team. She got control of the team and then she sold it uh, basically out from under him for $2 billion. Although I think at the end, according to what Ramona Shelburne reported in her great 30 for 30, um, the Sterling affair, which is by the way, about to be turned into a um, TV show on FX. They're going to film it uh, starting, I think in October and uh, Lawrence Fishburne is playing doc rivers. Um, And I can't remember who's playing Donald Sterling. It's another big name actor, but anyway, um, she reported that at the end of it, Donald's like, oh, we got $2 billion for it. Okay. But, um, and then the other situation was Bruce Levinson from the Atlanta Hawks, who sent a racially insensitive email out to some team employees about pr- procedures at the arena. Bruce Levinson did not have a history, anything close to Robert Sarver or, um, or Donald Sterling. He was generally well, although their ownership group had a lot of infighting, um, Bruce Levinson was was well generally well respected by fellow owners, and he sold the team voluntarily. Uh, he realized that this was bad for the NBA brand, bad for the uh, Atlanta Hawks brand, and he sold the team, um, uh, you know, voluntarily. And you know, you could argue that the correct thing for Robert Sarver to do for the NBA brand and the Suns brand is to sell voluntarily, but. If Adam Silver didn't even bring it up to him, I don't think voluntarily is coming unless yeah. he's shoved to the wall, Bon Temps. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think if we've seen anything about the way Robert Sarver has gone through this entire thing, he certainly hasn't, you know, I, you know, I enjoyed Adam Silver saying he uh, um, expressed complete and full remorse to him uh, in the wake of this stuff. I mean, he's certainly. The uh, the statements that he's put out where he has continued to say that uh, Baxter's reporting wasn't corroborated in the the um, in the investigation and, you know, the other things that they've gone on. I wouldn't exactly say that uh, his his stance has fully changed. And look, I mean, the end of the day. Yeah. Like you would certainly think that a person in this situation uh, 
you know, if they were going to quote, do the right thing, the right thing would have been to exit stage, right? Robert Sarver's not going anywhere that that much has been made clear throughout this entire process. And so, you know, certainly the league wasn't going to lean on him to sell the team unless they're put in a position where they feel like they have to, to McMahon's point, the owners are not going to line up to do that. And unless there becomes really intense public pressure, I don't think that's going to happen in any aspect. And that was what, to me, what made yesterday so interesting was walking out of that press conference. I thought it was a rough day for Adam Silver, but I sort of thought that was going to be the end of it. And then a few hours later, you have in pretty rapid succession, LeBron tweeting about this, followed by uh, the MBPA's new executive director, Tamika Tremaglio, putting out a statement, uh, slamming the punishment, followed by Chris Paul putting out multiple tweets saying that the punishment didn't go far enough. Now, maybe that's the end of it, but yeah, I who knows? I mean, this podcast isn't going up till tomorrow. Who knows what'll happen, if anything, tonight? Right. But I think it's safe uh, to me, at least. And I'm curious what you guys think. I would guess the NBA was not expecting those salvos to hit them last night. And I would expect that that came as a pretty big surprise. Well, and pressure can come. There, there's two potential major sources of pressure. You're getting it from the players, you know, players association, uh, the, the face of the league in LeBron, one of the faces of the Suns in Chris Paul. And then the other potential source of pressure is financial pressure. Boom. Are there going to be sponsors, you know, major sponsors of the Suns um, that, that, that pull out? And that's the thing. And that's the thing real quick, McMahon. The thing that people forget about Sterling is to your point earlier, Brian, it wasn't Adam Silver saying you have to sell the team. It was players saying we are not going to play. And it was advertisers saying we are not going to spend money on this team. That was what precipitated everything happening. It was financial pressure and internal slash external pressure. It wasn't the league saying you have to sell the team. Right. And so it can, if it gets to a point where it is publicly uncomfortable for Robert Sarver and he's bleeding money because sponsors are pulling out and, you know, he still has to fund. And, and let's be honest, Robert Sarver, in addition to all this stuff, has long had a reputation for being a total cheap. So I think the financial pressure could very well be the thing here. But, you know, we'll see how sponsors react to this because at a certain point, okay, you can either bleed money or you can cash out and get your $2 billion or whatever the 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 price is going to be for, I mean, it's going to be minimum 1.6. The, oh, the Jazz no, and the no, Timberwolves no, are selling 1.6. No, no. It's going to be north of two. Right, that's north what I'm saying. It's going to be north of, no, 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 no. I, I would you guess north if of the three? Suns were, were I, I mean, he doesn't own the full team. He's got a whole bunch of um, mm-hmm. limited partners. I would guess that the Suns sale price would be in excess of 2.5. Yeah, I think it's reasonable. I, think, I mean, you look at the he, smallest markets he, are 1.6, 1.7 now. He paid the in the neighborhood part. of he paid in the neighborhood of four hundred, I believe, for the team in two thousand four. Right. So take your um, six times earnings and yeah, you know, go live on an island somewhere. Yeah, but the thing about you know, and that's and that's what you know Adam Silver said. He said you're underestimating the reputational harm that you know he was defending the punishment. He was saying you're yeah. underestimating the reputational harm he's suffering. 
his reputation uh, Robert Sarver sucked has in never, the first place. Right. Robert Sarver's never cared about his reputation. He does. He has cared about the money. The other thing, though, is that there's two things at play here. Number one, as we're, as this is going on, there's a collective bargaining agreement negotiation going on between the players and the owners. From what we can glean, it's going okay. There doesn't appear to be issues that are headed for, you know, keyword both, being appear to be or right both now. sides yeah both sides can opt out in december the deal expires ne- if they if they opt out it expires next summer i think everybody involved agrees that they're going to get a deal done sometime before the end of this year i think big big surprise if we get past december 31st and a new deal isn't done right so while that's going on, if the players planned some sort of action, if they were able to organize some sort of action, that could affect those talks. And I'm not saying that would prevent them for it from doing that, but I think it's foolish not to recognize that that's going on. The second thing is that the Suns are red hot. Even though they had a disappointing end to last season, they are one of the hottest properties in the NBA. Um, they are printing money out there this is um you know they uh you know their 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 games are sellouts um they've got a sports book operating in the arena um they've got uh a lot of interest in the valley in 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 investment there so you know they've got their own craft beer (laughs) if you say so true no i've Um, sampled in, in the sports book there uh, uh, no, but at various locales throughout the uh, downtown Phoenix area. <laughs> I see. I see. Um, so, you know, a sponsor, if they say we're not doing business with the Suns anymore, you know, it's it's a little bit more challenging to do that than it was a couple of years ago. If you want to be on that Suns rocket ship, which at some point this year, this is going to be settled one way or another and the Suns are going to go and they're going to have games. And that's probably what the league is banking on. Now, the the reason that the league put this report out when it did is because the owners' meetings were Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, But it has the ancillary benefit of happening in a dead spot in the NBA calendar. Um, Yes, um, media day is in 10, 12 days. But, you know, this is something that there could be pushback on and then it passes over. So, it could go either way. I, I really, I really don't know what my, my guess is that we don't hear about this, that ultimately it sort everybody has their say. And then this becomes an issue a year from now when Sarver is being determined whether he can come back, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong. I, well, it, it, media it, day it, will certainly be interesting. And Chris Paul kind of got out ahead of it, but you know, obviously he still will be asked about it. Uh, what Devin Booker says and what Monty Williams says at media day. Monty Williams, I think, I know Chris Paul is such an important voice of the league, um, but Monty Williams is the voice of the Suns. And Monty Williams just signed a contract extension. He's, he's, Coach of the Year contract extension. He is huge approval rating. He is firmly entrenched in that position. He is. Mm-hmm. He may never have the uh, backing and authority. Not only that, but his quote unquote boss has been suspended for a year. So in theory, he doesn't have to answer uh, vo- a voicemail, a text message, an email, whatever. He won't see him because he's not allowed on team facilities. So 
he is in position, should he choose, to lead something one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I agree. I don't think it's fair for him to, to lead a crusade, but I'm just saying if he chose, he would be a potential leader in that. Yeah, and Chris Paul could too. I think Devin Booker could too, as, as the faces of the franchise. We'll see if they choose to, because, you know, I can certainly also understand the approach of, hey, we're going to address this one time. We'll say what we have to say. And then we've got a season that we need to focus on. Yeah. You know, last year, they essentially chose not to address it, chose to punt it. Uh, now it's and right we're the there. the number one overall seed. And this year, ultimately, Sarver is going to be gone. And it may be a blessed year for them, you know. Mm-hmm. In a way. I'm I'm less optimistic about the Suns as a as a basketball team right now than you are, but that's okay. Well, I'm just saying, like, once this, however this gets settled, they're not going to have to see him all year. True, <laughs> you know. So, um, all right. So, I guess to be continued, uh, we'll see, especially on media day. Uh, Bontemps, this is a hard turn to trivia, but here we are. Well, if there's anybody who can handle uh, some awkwardness, it's Bond Temps. I have to deal with you all the time. I'm very used to it. Uh, This week's trivia sponsored by nobody. Uh, Oh, we're going to we're going to talk to the uh, if if sponsors pull out of the suns, we we got some trivia for you. Ah, that sound has to make you smile. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Synchronize your online and in-person sales. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. So go to shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash hoop right now. Shopify.com slash hoop. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. It's time for a Hoop Collective Trivia. We're about to talk about the Portland Trailblazers. So uh, Damian Lillard is fourth currently among all players in uh, active points per game. Points per uh, game. Who are the three players that are ahead of him? And if that's super easy, we'll do the top 10 overall. Uh, LeBron, Luka, KD. Two of those are right. Who's wrong? 
Luca is incorrect. Okay, there must be a is there a minimum or is Luca not above him career wise? Durant. Uh, oh, you said KD. Yeah. It's a good question. I'm just going by basketball reference. I, I think Where I think I think that there might be what what is the uh that? basketball re- oh wait a second. Do we have a I minimum think, here? Yeah, I think we got technicality here. Career. Oh, we're going by at least minimum 400 games. Okay, because Dame is averaging what? 24.6. Okay, yeah. Luke is at 26.4. Okay, yeah. so minimum 400 games. I should have included <sighs> that. Good, good catch, McMahon. It's not Steph, is it? Steph is fifth. Okay, I thought Steph was a little bit lower. Hmm. Who? So you got Durant, LeBron, Dame, and Steph. Steph. Devin Booker. Devin Booker is seventh. Damn. Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid. Has he not played 400 games? Um, it's possible, I guess. He is not on the list. Let me see if uh, let me see if Joel. Joel's played 328 career games. Wow. How about them apples? And averaged how many points? 26. Uh, yeah. Just look 26, 26 even. Mm. Okay. Okay. Kyrie. Kyrie is ninth. Bam. You're chipping away at the who, top 10. Who are we <laughs> overlooking? Anthony here? Davis. Anthony Davis is sixth. So far, you have uh, third, eighth, and tenth. Is Tatum played 400? Uh, Tatum has not. Okay. He's Mar- not. Rosen. DeMar no. is 14th. No. no There's no. people John. yelling right now because they know the answer. Oh, for sure. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, I don't believe, has played 400 games either. Hmm. Not Cat, is it? Can't be Cat. Cat is eighth. Damn. So you're missing third and we tenth. Are, we are clearly overlooking somebody who is very, obvious. very clearly miss overlooking somebody. Brad Beal. Bradley Beal is 12th. The two guys left were teammates. Paul George. Paul George is 15th. It's not it. He doesn't score that much, that much. Now you've you've only missed a third, 10th, and 11th out of the top 15. Giannis got off to too slow of a start. Giannis is 13th. Yeah. The two guys Jimmy left Butler. in the top 10 were teammates. Jimmy Butler is not in the top. Uh, he's far down. He's I'm just guessing at this point. Two guys left. The, the two guys in the top 10 were teammates. Joker, Jamal Murray. That can't no. be it. They both won MVPs. Russell Westbrook. Russ and Harden. James Harden. Russell Westbrook is 10th. And James, and James Harden, Harden is third. Oh, we didn't say Harden. I, that's, that's embarrassing. We're going to delete this. <laughs> I thought you'd get the top three really quick and McMahon rattled them off. And then just, if I know, just I just didn't, I didn't, I kind of didn't hear. Totally forgot about Harden. I should have checked the rate, the rate stat first though, but because 400 games is basically five full seasons. So get counts for, that was kind of career. embarrassing to be honest with you. I don't care. Anything happens. We, I can't believe we didn't say Harden. <laughs> All right, what's going we on in this Portland? This won't be sponsored by Adidas, that's for sure. More important, yeah. More <laughs> importantly, yeah. Well, the, the guy, the guy I started with is a pretty prominent Adidas guy too. So at least made up for mm-hmm. it with that. What's yeah, what's going, going on, on in Portland? Portland? Why? 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 
Why? Why would they do that? Very strange trade. Why would you do that? Well, there's an interesting ownership situation in Portland where Jody Allen, uh, just I'm just acknowledging this, that Jody Allen, uh, Adam Silver has said that uh, Jody Allen must sell the team at some point to satisfy the will of her brother, Paul, who passed away several years ago. But we don't know when she's selling it. And that came to light recently. And Phil Knight of uh, Nike, one of Nike's founders, um, you know, he made a bid to buy it. And so it's sort of a weird situation that they are in right now. But um, uh, this offseason, um, they spent some money. <laughs> um, mm. Damian Lillard signed a, um, a two-year extension for $120 million, $122 million, so $60 million a year. And he's locked up through 27. And I can't remember the, the two op, the two years that he extended were 25, 26 and 26, 27 for 58 and a half and 63.3 million. And I think that's 35 and 36 in terms of his age in those years. Yeah. He's, he's 31. He only played 29 games just, last I think year. He just he turned surgery. 32. Oh, he turned 32. Oof. Mm-hmm. Now that uh, that sixty three point three million dollar uh, season in twenty six twenty seven is a player option. What's <laughs> I, I'll opt in. For what do him. we think? What do we think? <laughs> I would I would I would think he's going to opt in there. Um, they signed Anthony Simons to an extension, and I was afraid that they were going to um go crazy here because of some of the stuff that they were saying about Anthony, he had put up huge numbers uh, after Dame. And I like him as a player. Don't get me wrong. I just, you know, yeah, you know, he was just sort of putting up numbers on a team that was kind of trying to lose. Um, they got it. They got, <laughs> they got him for a, uh, for a hundred million over four years um, was the extension. Uh, they traded for Jeremy Grant. Um, uh, a deal, a deal that what could cost them, one first round pick was the central part of the trade. Is ended up right? ended up being a uh, the the box pick in twenty five because they didn't mm-hmm. make the uh, playoffs, right? Or no, it was top. It was protected yeah, they, in something they, form, they, wasn't it? They traded for it. It was the buck. It was the Bucks pick. And I yeah, and I the uh, I think the 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 Pistons already traded it. Oh no, it was it was the Pelicans. It was either the Pelicans no, pick the or Pelicans. the Bucks pick, and the Pelicans made the playoffs. That was what the trade was, wasn't it? Yeah, but they they made the trade in the offseason. The offense. Pelicans pick was already decided. The Pelicans pick, by the way, they're not going to end up getting a first rounder out of the out of the CJ McCollum deal because the Pelicans made the playoffs. Right. That's oh, probably. that was what I that was what I was thinking of. Right. That's right. Right. That they was still the, owe uh, a pick to a lottery protected pick to Chicago from the Larry Nance deal, who. He ended up being rerouted to New Orleans in that deal. Um, they paid Nurkic a nice little contract. I think it was four years, 70 mil this year. Um, yes, they they're extended tanking, uh, Yusef Nurkic. Their epic tank job only produced the number seven overall pick. They got Shaden Sharp, who, if you've seen him play, you're a big fan of, what is it, Canadian high school basketball? Well, um, he's... Right, he's, I mean, one he's, of the a, biggest, he's one of the biggest mysteries in the draft. He right. just... He didn't. He didn't play for the last couple of years, and it looked like it in summer league. Is that mm-hmm. fair to say? Yes. Well, he and played four minutes in summer league, and then hurt his shoulder, and then was out for the rest of summer. So league. That's right. He only played he didn't one even play. Game. That's right. right. Yeah. Okay, so the 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 
Blazers, they're they've got some pieces sharp. Uh, you know, Anthony Simons. Um, you know, you can throw Keon Johnson in there. They got some tell you who pieces. else you could throw in there. Tell you else you can throw in there too is Jabari Walker, son of Samaki Walker, who our guy Mike Schmitz drafted with basically the last pick of the second round in this year's draft, and who was a stud at summer league. Looked pretty good. Okay. So they've got some pieces for the future, but they're basically a team that's in win now mode, and the ceiling's not very high. They're an expensive team in win now mode who I, you know, they're a play-in team, but I don't see any realistic path for them to get out of the first round. They also signed Gary Payton this offseason away from the Warriors. And, and they, have a pretty, they have a pretty good team, but this it's they're sort of a to your point, McMahon. Like we talked about Sacramento recently for this segment, and they're they're sort of a a supersized version of Sacramento, right? Mm-hmm. Where like this is a to me a significantly better team than the Kings. That's why I think the Kings are sort of in their own tier and 11th in the West. Like they're just right. they're gonna need help to get into the play-in. Um, even though they made some okay moves this summer. But to your point, like you look at Portland and they're right in the mix to me with the Lakers and maybe New Orleans, like kind of in the eight to ten ish range. Yeah, somewhere seven to ten in somewhere the West the range. But to your point, like Shaden Sharp is going to have to become a monster player. Mm-hmm. Like that's their one ascendant piece, and he could be the best player in the draft. Like he is a monster, toolsy prospect. Like it could work out. But you're talking about a guy that's probably going to need some time at minimum if he's going to become a really good player. And your best player is already in his early 30s, is a small guard, is coming off abdominal surgery after not looking great at times last year before the surgery. Now, he says that's fixed a problem that's been there for a while. And we all love watching Dame play. Certainly expect Dame to still be really good. But, you know, that's that's sort of a tough line to walk where you've got a team that's built to be pretty good. But if your ceiling is maybe getting out of the play-in, you know, it's you're just going to be kind of stuck in purgatory for a while. You know, I think what they found out was that the Dame CJ as the core of your team that had a ceiling on it. And their ceiling was they got to the Western Conference Finals once and they got swept. Uh, you know, other than that, they were pretty much first round fodder uh, almost every other year. Um, and, 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 and in a few of those years, they were swept in the first round. Yep. And basically, they, this team's kind of signed, you know, CJ's out, Anthony's in, and it's, I don't see just a whole lot of difference. And, you know, so much of the discussion around the Blazers over the last two or three years has been, you know, is Dame going to stay? Should Dame stay? Should they blow it? Well, that, that has been decided. Dame wants to spend his whole career there. They, you know, supermax him as far out as they could. Um, hey, if if he's happy spending his entire career in Portland on teams that are somewhere between pretty good and very good, but not legitimate contenders, okay. Um, I'm listen, a guy he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to make almost a half billion dollars, a billion dollars in uh, just an NBA yep. salary, like it, franchise icon, best player in the history of the franchise. Yeah. There's a lot of cool things about that. Yeah, like you, you know, there's plenty of NBA legends who don't have rings. I just, you know, I just think Dame is destined to be one of those guys, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I, it's, I just have a hard time looking at the Blazers 
and seen upside, real significant upside for the rest of his career. So I'm not going to pay too much attention to their offense last year because Dame only played 29 games and also they were tanking at the end. They were a bottom four offensive team, but they ranked second to last in defense. And so, um, you know, and, and Chauncey Billups, we don't know a whole lot about him as a coach yet, but Chauncey Billups was uh, a first-class defender his entire career. Mm-hmm. And so you would think that a Chauncey Billups team would be a good defensive team. They were a horrible defensive team. And a lot of that had to do with personnel. So, okay, they've invested, you know, $600 million in uh, Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons, two small guards. So that's a problem. So what do they do? Okay, they go out and get Jeremy Grant, um, who, when he's healthy and playing well, is a plus defender, can defend multiple positions. They sign Gary Payton. Uh, again, uh, a good defender uh, can defend multiple positions on the perimeter. Um, so they they invested in improving defensively. And if the Blazers Josh Hart's are going, a defensive improvement. True. They traded for Josh Hart. They could have cut Josh Hart. They had the option. He had a non-guaranteed contract. They did not do that. Um, so Josh Hart is there as well. So they've invested in Josh Hart's pretty much the core piece that they got back for CJ McCollum at this point. Right. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Um, so they, I mean, they use some of the assets to get Jeremy Grant, you know, if Joe Cronin, their general manager was here, he'd say, well, we also traded for Jeremy Grant. So that's just to be fair, but, um, uh, the only chance this team has of, of taking a step forward and, you know, out foxing the teams that are, were back there with them that are trying to ascend like the Lakers, like the Kings, um, uh, is that they have to get much better on defense. Uh, I don't think that they're equipped to be a top 10 defensive team, although, you know, I guess stranger things have happened, but they can't be 29th again because if they're 29th again, they're going to be right back in the lottery next year. No question. And the other the other guy that we haven't mentioned who I'm really interested to watch this year is Nasir Little. He really started to come on last year during the middle of the season. Then he had a shoulder injury, missed a big chunk of the year. But um, as a big athletic wing, you have him and Jeremy Grant playing the two forward spots. Like you mentioned, Brian, you can have Gary Payton come in and replace either CJ or uh, either Dame or Anthony Simons and have another plus defender out there um, with either Dame or Simons handling the ball. Like that, that's at least the foundation. Plus you have uh heart coming off the bench. That's at least the foundation of a team that has the ability to play both ways, you know, in, in at least a good a fashion as the team's, with Dame and CJ that, you know, were legitimate teams that could get to the second round of the playoffs. It did, you know, through a bit of a fluky path, but still got to one conference finals, like had some playoff success. Um, my question is, I think CJ McCollum, while maybe a little bit overrated over the course of his career is a really good player. And I'm not sure Anthony Simons is going to be CJ McCollum. And they have invested a ton of money in him to be, really a co-star with Dame. And I, like you said, he's put up some numbers in losing situations, but I'm not convinced that he's going to walk in and be the kind of player they need to really carry them at the other end of the court as well. No. And I think they're a competitive team. I just think they're a third tier team. You know, they're, they're a playing type of team. And, and, you know, it's funny because Dame has had some of the best playoff moments of any active player. I mean, you talk about the bye-bye shot uh, to to basically, you know, put a fork in the in the thunder in the, in that, who has in that had, era of the thunder. Who has had better? About, at, who's had better playoff moments than Dame? 
like collectively. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, you can Steph point Curry. to, yeah, well, Steph I mean, Curry, LeBron, like, yeah, like the guys who've won multiple, you know, uh, Kyrie Irving hitting a, you know, that shot in game seven. No, I mean, um, if you're saying like, like, you know, I'm talking about like having three or four, Matt, like obviously like one, yeah, you know, Giannis is game six of the guy's finals had, supersedes it, but yeah, the guys had three had two, or four incredibly memorable moments. Well, and the, and the two series ending walk off buzzer beating goodbye three point shots they're, they're iconic moments but that's also two of the uh four playoff series that he's won in his career there's only been three years in his career that he's gotten out of the first round he's a decade in now and i don't know if he's getting out of the first round again it's it, like we you know we keep maybe they this. can win the in-season tournament no yeah, possible possible hey Maybe they I mean, can. You know, uh, maybe they can serious, celebrate a, a play-in championship like, like Dame's uh, old old pal Pat Bev did in Minnesota. I don't know. I am, you know, obviously the in-season tournament again was a very minor part of this press conference that Adam Silver gave this week. Clearly, the in-season tournament is going to happen. It's probably going to come in in the CBA uh, this fall because they have to come to an agreement with the players on it. You have to collectively bargain it. The, the Blazers are the kind of team, though, that I do think that that concept is built for like a team that's trying to win that in the NBA, like just doesn't have a path to winning a championship. Like Damian Lillard has no path to win a championship in Portland, but like if you win this in season tournament down the road, potentially that is something that is seen as a accomplishment that you put on the ledger at the end of your career. You won four Bill Russell cups or whatever they decide to call this thing. Like I I am curious to see kind of what the, um, what the what the evolution of that thing is because like if you look at European soccer, which is what Adam Silver looks to to compare this thing to, there are teams in these leagues that will not play. You know they'll pull back in a certain cup because they're trying to either win their league or win in the Champions League or win something else. So they'll say, "Oh, we don't. We're going to play younger guys, or maybe going to give guys a night off here. And if we lose, we lose." Like I, I will be curious to see sort of how teams adapt to this thing and try to well, attack it because it could be something of, that is seen as a, a a really cool thing down the road. The thing about European soccer is that there is the the the, the reward for the for those other competitions is is to win the competition itself. What you want is to say we, we held the trophy this year. Right. Um what we don't know about the in season tournament is what the reward incentive is going to be. Maybe it's going to be money and okay fine you, you you think Dame is going to get excited about money? He's got five hundred million. Um, he so he you, seems so the, to be pretty so, excited about money consistently. Yeah. So the the thing is, like you know, what can you give that's not outrageous? Like you like you can't give a guaranteed playoff berth, I don't think. But what can you give that that's that, that matters? And I'm sure they've had a lot of brainstorming sessions. But um, you know, that would be interesting. That would that'll be interesting. We'll be talking about that more in the future. So. Um, all right. Well, the Blazers will be a team that um, they're what they deem as a successful season will be different than the rest. And they're playing in a conference where they're going to have to bring it just about every night. And so, again, like I said, this about several teams this year, they could have a really successful season by what their talent level is and still not get what they want, because that's mm-hmm. the way the league is set up now. ESPN and Anscape contributor Dominique Foxworth has a new podcast every Tuesday and Thursday, bringing his unique perspectives on football, the personalities surrounding it, and just about anything else he finds interesting or thinks you might. 
So check out the Dominique Foxworth Show. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Uh, Okay, before we go, I want to talk about, uh, I made a trip to Cleveland this week to have a sit-down interview with Donovan Mitchell. Um, Donovan was <laughs> just for the record, I didn't ask for the photo. Okay. The Cavs get... asked for the photo and Donovan was happy to do the photo. He was, what's he was going definitely... on in Cleveland photo ops. He had, he <laughs> had ops. sweatshirts made of your iconic moment. Yes. I, listen, I gave him permission Wendy, for the trademark. If I, I don't get a trademark. sweatshirt, I am I might boycott the podcast. Uh, well, you have to speak to Mr. Mitchell. I don't have a supply you, of the sweatshirts. You have to speak well, to him. Clearly, you've got an end there. But uh, yeah, so um, double XL hoodie, please. Skip right by <laughs> giving you one. You skip right by that. Just skip right by. Not going to do it. What do you mean? I don't have oh, them man. to give. Well, you'll, again, you'll have I to feel speak like you have Mr. connections. Mitchell. I'm with I'm with mm-hmm. McMahon. Well, anyway, there's a lot of excitement in Cleveland. As I to point out, I've said this before, but I'm just going to reiterate it. They haven't made the playoffs without LeBron since 1998. The idea that they're going to have a team that is competitive without LeBron James is something that nobody in the you know who's uh, you know younger than 48 can possibly remember. So it's been 30 years um, this year since they won a playoff series without LeBron James. Yes, I was in. It's ninety three, right? Well, no, they made the playoffs after that, but they haven't won a series since ninety two, ninety three. At my eighth grade graduation party, we watched the Cavs lose to the Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals, nineteen ninety two. I want to look up something quick while you're setting this up. So anyway, um, one of the things I got to do when I was in Cleveland is uh, watch the Cavs. The Cavs kindly let um, Woj was there too. He did a podcast with with Donovan. You can listen to that uh, on the Woj pod. Um, we got to watch the Cavs uh, go through uh, a run, a uh, pickup game. And it was mm-hmm. Donovan's first uh, pickup games with his Cavs teammates. And, um, you know, when you're watching out there on the court, it's like, this is, this is a pretty good team. You know, you got Garland, you got Darius Garland out there. You got uh, 
Evan Mobley out there who was just wickedly blocking a couple of the younger Cavs guards who they have uh, wickedly blocking them going to the basket, you know, with complete no emotion whatsoever. Just they come in for the they come in. He just doesn't even change expression on his face and just viciously blocks it. Um, Jared Allen, uh, Karis LeVert, you know, almost their entire team was there. Uh, you know, like I don't want to go too far down the roster, but like Dean Wade, <laughs> Dean Wade looked good in the run that I that I watched. Um, and one thing that I was interested about was they had two courts going, and they were they were scrimmaging on one court, and on the other court, Ricky Rubio was there. And you know, Rubio signed with the Cavs, re-signed with the Cavs over the summer. He uh, tore his ACL. I think it was in late December, early January. Um, he looked good. Now I am not a physical therapist. I am not a doctor, but he had no brace on his knee. He was doing uh, full mm. court work, strength work. I mean, he's obviously not going to be ready for opening day, but I don't think he's like February. I think his, you know, based on what I saw, he's a lot closer than I would have thought. And so uh, they're looking forward to getting him back too. And so just a lot of optimism in Cleveland and in talking to Donovan, um, you know, he definitely talked about the Jazz. He did not agree with Danny Ainge saying that they, that the guys didn't believe in each other. And his big thing with Ainge was he was only here for six months before he decided that. You know, um, we obviously didn't think the Jazz believed in each other during. We didn't use those words, but um, you know, I respectfully listened to him. He was on the team, but um, I didn't have a. I couldn't really. I understood why the Jazz made the deals that they made. They had a team that paid $20 million in, in, in luxury tax last year that finished fifth, and the two-star players didn't have great chemistry. Um, but and they got bounced in the first round by a team that didn't have a superstar for the first three games of the series. It, 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 it was time for Utah yeah. to blow it up. Yeah. But, look, I you know obviously Donovan wasn't thrilled with that Danny Ainge said that. We talked about that. We talked about the Knicks. He said something interesting. He He – he believes, and I mean, a handful of people would know whether this is true or not, and maybe we'll find out in the future. He believes that he was very close to being traded to the Knicks, like the deal was almost done. Um, you know, he got traded on a Wednesday. The Monday of that week is when the Knicks um, elected to, to uh, come to a terms with R.J. Barrett, which effectively ended their talks, the Jazz and Knicks. On that Sunday, he thought, any minute his cell phone was going to ring and say the deal's done. And so he had, he told me he had specifically not wanted to get involved. He was totally staying out of it. He, he was working out on his own with his trainer. He was playing with guys and he was, he was, he didn't want to go to the day by day of, and, but yet he allowed himself on that Sunday to think I'm going to be a Nick very, very soon. And for some reason, he believed that it was like about to happen. And I don't know how close it was, but him talking about that, uh, I don't think probably thrilled Knicks fans. Um, uh, but he was genuinely excited about playing for the Cavs, genuinely excited about what his team, what is on his roster. Um, I don't know how far they can go. To me, um, they'll go as far as Evan Mobley can take them. But I do think they have a couple-year window here because of how young their team is. And just just seriously, since I've been covering the NBA, I've never really been around a Cavs team that didn't have LeBron on it where there was enthusiasm. And they were 
effervescent with enthusiasm when I was there. I love when you use that word. You that that's one of your favorite words, and I didn't know what it meant until I heard you say it. I looked it up, and it's a great word. <laughs> I, don't I think know how to spell it, it. <laughs> with an e. Um, no, I think it describes and and look. The reason the Cavs are willing to put these chips on the table and willing to be this aggressive is because what the core that's still in place that they've added Donovan to, what, what that core did last year was, you know, give them that franchise a big boost of reason for optimism, right? They didn't make the playoffs last year, but people thought they were going to be a mid to high lottery team. And, you know, there were, you know, they were when Rubio played last year, they're 20 and 14. Darius Garland took a step into being an all-star. Jared Allen, same thing. Evan Mobley, you know, if he was rookie of the year, nobody would have would have blinked. You know, we ended up runner-up rookie of the year. Certainly looks like a superstar. Now you add Donovan to that core, you know, without really giving up any pieces that were major parts of them winning. No disrespect to Mark and him, but we've talked about it, it was just an odd fit. Uh, positionally, obviously, Sexton got real hurt quick? last year. The, I, I know the Cavs don't regret anything about the trade, but I do think the Cavs thought that Markkinen was on the verge of making a bit of a jump. I'm not saying I agree, but I'm just telling you, he did have a great summer for Finland. Oh, for but, sure. But they talk about Markkinen in very glowing terms, and you know, they, they I'm sure they do choice. it. He got, he, he was part of the trade that brought in Donovan Mitchell. I'm sure that's why they do. I'm, well, and, look, I'm just telling you, listen, the they're, Cavs they're like small their forward marketing experience. Their small forward rotation was hot garbage last year and it's hot garbage <laughs> now. That I mean, listen, you were, you were, you mentioned Dwayne, Dean Wade before, like no joke. Dean Wade's a hugely important player on this team. Cause they got nobody who plays small forward on the team. Well, they nobody got nobody with size LeBert, on the sort wing. Of, and yeah. Dean Wade actually has Dean I mean, Wade actually has some size. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like he might be their best three. That like that's that's the situation. Is Karis LeVert a three? I, I, no, I think he's starting no. there. I mean he he might no, be starting gonna, there, but I, I think he's going to come off the bench. As a, yeah, he he's, he's a he's a he's a two guard who doesn't guard anybody. Like that's the thing. Like when we were talking about them compared to Atlanta last week, like their top end talent's really good. But their wing in particular and their their defense on the perimeter is right now looks pretty terrible. And it's going to be interesting to see how J.B. Bickerstaff handles that. Because obviously when you got Evan Mobley and Jared Allen inside, that's mm-hmm. going to clean up a lot of mistakes. You mentioned watching those guys just swatting shots left and right. But if you look at the teams they're playing in the East, you got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You've got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You've got... James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, even Tobias Harris in Philly. You've got Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday in Milwaukee. You've got Trey Young and DeJounte Murray in Atlanta. They got nobody to guard any of those guys. So that I'm very curious to see how the Cavs handle that this year. Jimmy Butler. Jim, right, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero in, in Miami. Like all these teams have really good wing scores. and Who are big. And who are, all of them are big. And look at look at the Cavs. Who's going to guard those guys? Like, is Donovan Mitchell going to really commit no. himself to playing defense no. like he did at the beginning I mean, of the career? Maybe he's not. I mean, that's the thing. The, the thing is, they need size because Mitchell and Garland. 
They have great interior size, but they don't. Well, Donovan have Mitchell's always had great physical. I mean, everybody remember like the thing that put him on the map. He had a game in summer league where he had like six or seven steals his first or second summer league game. He came into the league as this long, athletic. Yeah, but he's not defending Jason, Jason Tatum. Well, no, no, his, but his like, defensive comp coming to the league was Avery Bradley. We haven't seen it. And honestly, well, that was a huge source of Rudy Gobert's frustration. Is right. He has all the tools. Like you can say, he's six one. He's I think the wingspan's like six nine, six ten. Yeah. You know, Rudy's point was always he has all the tools to be a really good defender. Like I'm going to hold him to that standard. That was on the list of sources of the uh, frustration right. between them. Um, not at the top. So like by the now, way, so I'd like to point out Darius something. Garland, Maybe he'll, you know, there's at least the ability for him to take a bit of a step back usage wise offensively and be a better defensive player. But to me, like if you're talking about Cleveland, that perimeter defense and specifically the I wing agree. defense, it's They're not a complete team. Got to fix it. I will say that uh, you'll, you'll be interested in this McMahon for your, for your notes. Uh, Donovan told me that he and Rudy would go to dinner and chill together. So we have Quinn Snyder reporting that they would eat lunch. And now Donovan's wow. saying they would eat dinner. What about breakfast? How about breakfast? We don't yeah. have breakfast information. We will brunch. We will we will try to get more information on their breakfast habits. Any Maybe snacks? Rudy would bring in some baguettes, and croissants. I'll, I'll bet uh, Rudy could make a terrific uh, French omelet. It would be terrific. I think. Uh, so, I bet you that his chef can. I, I don't. I don't think Rudy's doing a whole lot sure. of chicken in the kitchen. <laughs> well, he would provide. How about this? He would provide a wonderful. I I have uh, little doubt about that. I have a little doubt about um, that. All right. Well, the Cavs will be a team. We'll be By the way, Rudy Gobert, the last all-star left standing at Eurobasket. No Giannis, no Jokic, no Luka. Rudy Gobert. Yeah, here's something about Luka, by the way. So the Slovenians got upset by the Polish uh, uh, on a Wednesday night. Um, Luka fouled out. And one of the reasons he fouled out is because he got a technical foul. And in international basketball, you get a technical counts as a, a personal foul. This is seriously one of the things with Luka. I was talking to a scout who was there, and he was like, we were all laughing because before the game, Luca goes up to the officials and shakes all of their hands and smiles and nods and everything. And then literally when the, when the ball goes up, he starts chewing on them and like he, he is going to get, and like, I'm not even saying he doesn't have a case. Sometimes the officiating in FIBA is notorious. Oh, it's awful. It's um, honestly bad. The, I can't, the best just, was just if to, you, if, if you watch on ESPN Plus sometimes when they go to the monitor, you can hear the referees' discussions with each other as they watch the monitor. And sometimes, and it's great. I think they should do this in the NBA. I'm sure they won't. Um, but sometimes, like, they're completely on different pages of each other, even watching the replay. It's, it's incredible. It's, but Luca so has got to calm down. He's got he to calm does. down. Because FIBA and the EuroLeague are, like, at war with each other, they can't use Euroleague refs. So it's like you take the best however many dozen refs in Europe out of the equation. It, it would be like kind of like if you're having, if the NBA finals are being done by G League refs. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. And so they, they, there's some pretty rough officiating. Um, Luca doesn't necessarily do great with refs, even when it's decent officiating. Right. Um, but and then you know that we can talk about it's part of the maturation process. We can also be realistic and say, you know what, Luca's probably always going to have beef with the referees. Chris Paul is 
72 years old and still every game is like Chris Paul is an attorney well, and, the, and the refs are. I, I understand, you know. but I'm just going to say that in international basketball, which at the end of the day isn't a priority on this show, but in international basketball, when there are five fouls I know. and your technical counts towards it, you got to keep can't that get, in mind. Can't get technicals in the quarterfinals. No, he, got, he got a late tee, then he picked up a foul, and there he is. I think they're down, I want to five or seven many fouls out with three minutes and change left. And that's the end of Euro basket for yeah, and you had uh, Serbia and Slovenia. Yeah. It's Serbia, Greece and Slovenia already out, which by the way, bonus trivia question, you know, the last time cause Slovenia and Serbia played in the championship game in 2017, as I'm sure mm-hmm. the guy writing the book about Luka knows, you know, the last time the two teams in the finals of Euro basket were the same two teams, two tournaments in a row. I'm going to guess it was Spain against somebody. Nope, it was the former Yugoslavia against the former Soviet Union 45 years ago, which shows you how insane wow. these tournaments are. And if people are surprised when they hear, how did Giannis lose and how did Luka lose and how did Jokic lose, these tournaments are always a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I'll bet the officials were a little nervous in that game for various reasons. <laughs> uh, Yugoslavia right, won uh, both those games, both those tournaments, by the way. Of course. Of course, the, the, the Russians were nothing until David Blatt showed up and let him to the bronze medal. <laughs> yeah, uh, Arvidas didn't do anything. I do think they might have won the gold in 72. It's perfectly legitimate gold medal in 1972. Yes. All right. Um, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you, McMahon. Thank you, Bon Temps. Thank you to Adi Jackson and Bruce, our producers. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week when Bon Temps, McMahon, and I are all going to be together in Los Angeles. Good God. Oh, boy. Uh, we're going to buy Bon Temps dinner. Right. Oh, you do? Right. Why? What's the what was that then? No, we remember the Why? playoff fantasy thing. That's right. I don't recall, Senator. And and when I say we have to buy him dinner, it means that I'll order something and we'll use your credit card. <laughs> Where what were the what are the parameters? What's the per diem that he's allowed to spend? Well, bond temps, like fancy dinner for bond temps just means that like you actually sit down instead of ordering at the counter. So, you know, I don't, I don't think you have to <laughs> worry too much. Big there. talk from the Texan guy. Let's, <laughs> I mean, do we have to take him to the Palm or we're going we to like Rodeo drive or something? <laughs> they don't have restaurants on Rodeo drive. Well, but somewhere, um, somewhere expensive. Can, can we, can we get by with smash with smash burger? <laughs> uh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, all right. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Adios amigos. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash hoop now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash hoop.